Hello and welcome to Donors Talk SSR. My name is Alex Walsh and I work at the Geneva Centre for Security Sector Governance, known as DCAF. This podcast is hosted by DCAF's International Security Sector Advisory Team, or ISAT, and is part of a series that unpacks themes and practices within security sector governance and reform, or SSGR. We shed light on areas that are important to the international community in its efforts to provide strategic and operational support for SSGR in fragile and conflict-affected environments. In this episode, I'm joined by Brendan Schulman, who is Vice President of Policy and Government Relations at Boston Dynamics, a US robotics company that has developed commercially available robots with integrated artificial intelligence technologies. Increasingly, Boston Dynamics robots are being used by law enforcement agencies, bringing robotics and AI into the security sector. Brendan, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you for having me, Alex. Brendan, can you tell us a little bit about Boston Dynamics? Uh, Sure, I'd love to. So Boston Dynamics was actually founded over 30 years ago by an MIT professor and his students, uh, really with the goal of trying to figure out in an academic and research setting, could we make robots that are more capable of navigating to places where people live and work and therefore uh, be more useful in the various types of tasks that they uh, undertake? And so for the past uh, four or five years or so, the company has pivoted to a more commercial outlook and has placed products on the market uh, in fulfillment and as a result of the research that's been going on for over three decades. And part of that commercial market is uh, government clients and security sector clients. And I understand that your role uh, in policy and government relations is very relevant to that. So can you tell us a little bit about your role? So my role is to uh, understand what types of concerns or challenges are raised by new technologies as they emerge into society uh, in different ways. Uh, And certainly one application for Uh, Our best known product, which is Spot, our our so-called quadruped robot dog, as many people say, Uh, one one application is certainly security uh, and and government and public safety. Uh, And so that's a subset of the issues I work on in terms of understanding what are the risks that are imposed or or concerns or challenges? Um, How do we collaborate and work together on potential solutions, either at the technological level Um, or uh, in terms of public policy and governance, whether that's a company policy or an industry policy or something that we can work on with regulators and legislators. So Spot the Dog is a rather famous and charismatic uh, robot that's charmed a lot of people. Uh, But let's step back a little bit um, and look at robotics, AI, and public safety and law enforcement as a whole. What do you think are the most exciting current and forthcoming applications there? I I think what we're seeing is a real convergence between AI and robotics uh, in many different ways. If if you think about robots, they are um, kind of the the body or the the physicality of of a technology. They they can maneuver and interact in three dimensions. They can manipulate the environment. They can uh, help and interact with people. And AI is the software that, that runs that, that piece of hardware in terms of everything from the perception of the environment 
So you want the robots to be able to perceive what's around them, uh, understand. I, I use that term loosely, of course, because robots don't understand anything the way that humans do, but understand uh, how they might be able to accomplish a task. So in, in this in the security uh, context, you're talking about missions that really are the fundamental purpose of robotics, which is to keep people safe from harm by putting a machine into a dangerous environment rather than a person. So we're talking about things like hazmat scenarios, potential um, uh, suspicious packages or bombs. We could talk about armed barricaded suspects or hostage situations. Uh, of course, there, there's certainly a discussion to be had about armed conflict and, and robots uh, uh, that are in use. Uh, by the way, not just ground robots like we make, but also aerial robots, uh, namely drones, which is actually what I worked on prior to my joining this company. Um, and so you're talking about a technology that can do so many different things um, once it is equipped with sensors, payloads, uh, end effectors that manipulate uh, the world in terms of opening doors, picking up objects, moving them around. Um, and so that you know the applications are limitless, but really in some ways only at the beginning of it. But certainly the the security and public safety sector uh, is is seeing enormous benefit already with with robots uh, keeping people safe from harm. Can you tell us a little bit about how Boston Dynamics's robots have been involved in dangerous environments um, and helping law enforcement? Uh, sure, I'll give you one example. Uh, so, and actually, it, it, it's not just helpful to law enforcement, but also to the, to the people that law enforcement interact with. So we had a, a police department customer uh, a few months ago with one of our spot robots. They were involved in a, in a shootout with a suspect. And at one point, the suspect was hit by police gunfire and retreated into his house. At that point, you would typically expect the, the police to wait and see what happens next. Does he come back out firing his gun again or not? Uh, and after a period of time, it would be safe to, to enter and, and make an arrest or, or provide medical assistance. Well, thanks to Spot, they were able to send the robot in immediately and obtain situational awareness of, this, uh, of what was inside uh, the house. And what they saw is that the suspect had dropped his gun. He had been shot in the chest. He was injured seriously, but still alive. So at that point, they understood that it was safe to enter and that the suspect needed urgent medical attention. They got him to the hospital, performed surgery, and he survived. The doctors in that scenario uh, said that 11 minutes later, he would have died. So had they not had the robot to send into the house to investigate the situation, that, that's a, a, a suspect who, who would have passed away. And, and, and that's actually just an example of others we've heard from law enforcement customers. More typically, of course, you'd, you would expect that sending the robot in keeps the police safe from harm. And that's obviously true rather than entering that type of scenario as, as an armed human officer, you send the robot, the robot can open doors, walk up and down stairs and send back live video streaming to the police outside um, so that they can make a well-informed decision as to how to deal with a dangerous situation. So there's huge advantages there, both for citizens and, and law enforcement in reducing risks uh, and improving situational awareness. Can you take us through in brief some of the specific AI technologies that enabled that interaction to happen? I imagine that computer vision is an important tech there. Uh, yes, exactly. So Spot is surrounded by cameras, uh, cameras on four sides uh, that, that create a, a three-dimensional model of its immediate environment. 
So the way we refer to this is athletic intelligence. So it's also AI, but I guess the A stands for athletic, uh, in the sense that the, the the robot understands what's nearby in terms of edges and obstacles. And if the nearby obstacle is less than one foot high, the robot will step on it and, and walk over it. If it's greater than one foot high, um, it will walk around it uh, and, and sense that as an obstacle that, it, that should be avoided. So with that capability, the robot's able to do a lot of autonomous, either manual or autonomous uh, missions. And by the way, SPOT is more often used in industrial settings and factories and, and power plants and, and, and nuclear facilities. Public safety and, and government is just one use for this type of robot. But with that type of uh, functionality, the athletic intelligence, you can get that robot to just many places that you could not put an older fashioned robot and you can do it in a more autonomous way. So to open a door, you simply tap on the screen, uh, you tap on the doorknob on the screen that you're holding in your hand, it's like a game controller tablet, and tell Spot, I want you to open this door. And everything from that point forward is, is autonomous. Spot will open and, and let itself through the door. There are old fashioned robots that could open doors if you spent 10 or 15 minutes as a highly trained operator moving each robot joint, grasping the knob, turning it, pulling it, you might get through the door. With Spot, it literally takes seconds and it's so easy. And I think that's the power of the AI onboard, robo onboard robots like Spot is that we're just making it so easy to, to get the robot in and then uh, accomplish the mission. So you mentioned the characteristic there, athletic, and I've met Spot here in Geneva at the AI for Good Summit. And athletic is certainly an adjective you, you would describe to it. Spot has quite, uh, let's say, an intense presence, uh, certainly athletic, some might say daunting. Um, and, you know, the mating of artificial intelligence and robotics provokes quite a lot of governance questions there, um, particularly when deployed in the security sector uh, and difficult situations like the one you, you, you just described. So what are the risks here and how do you go about mitigating these risks? I think the risk we are most concerned about, and, and one that we've actually seen manifest over the past couple of years, is weaponization. We have, from the beginning of our sale of spot into the market, mandated that customers are not permitted to weaponize the robot or use spot to harm or intimidate any person or animal. And that's really a central part of our ethical vision that these robots should be out there helping people, not hurting them. And, and the people really will need to understand, uh, unlike in the science fiction movies and TV shows uh, relating to robots, that robots are here to help humanity and not to harm them. And so one central aspect of that is uh, the principle we've articulated, and we led a group of, of international leading robotics companies in this a year ago when we released a, a joint letter with them, that we, we will not allow our, our robots to be weaponized and, and calling upon policymakers and others in the robotics community to work with us on public policy uh, to address that. And this is really in the wake of videos we've seen on YouTube of people taking these kinds of advanced robots, mounting weapons on them, walking around shooting. That undermines public trust. It communicates the wrong message about what robots are here to do. And it's a public safety risk. And so in terms of the security of these kinds of uh, new technologies, we really want to get ahead of that. I think we also, in, in the 
law enforcement context are mindful of civil rights concerns. We've certainly heard that from the communities we've interacted with, particularly here in, in the United States. Uh, and, and we're happy to say that we work with our law enforcement customers to uh, understand why they're acquiring the robot, what are their uses for the robot, uh, and to um, gain confidence that their use of the robot will be protective and beneficial, like in the example I, I mentioned, rather than a technology that would that would violate someone's civil rights. So you mentioned here public policy and also a certain selectiveness in terms of who you supply your technology to. AI governance has hit the headlines again recently in terms of the UK's hosting of the Global Summit on AI Safety. The combination of that was a de declaration by 25 countries and, and the European Union in my reading, the declaration was quite light in terms of AI in defense and security. But could you give us your perspectives? You know, what is the role for the state and for the international community and the private sector, in fact, in terms of regulating AI in the security sphere? Well, I'm really glad to see uh, the UK government and the American government and others um, step up and try to get ahead of, of these issues of AI governance, whether in the security sector or, or otherwise. That's that's smart and, and really important. I, I've, you know, in my work in the past decade on drones and, and robots, I, I always try to foresee where we're going and try to get ahead before the problems are manifest. And I think that's what we're seeing doing. And it's not surprising that there might be a light touch at first because we're not sure exactly what the challenges are really going to be in the long run. Uh, so that's probably a wise initial approach. We are very focused on what, what I would call the, the physical risks of, of AI. Uh, and it's actually, I think, a, a very self-contained and solvable issue today. Uh, namely that you know, a, as the robots get more sophisticated, and they will. In fact, just today I saw a, a video posted on YouTube showing Spot uh, being used to, to navigate unmapped, unknown uh, houses to find objects and do things with them based on natural language and, and, and visual uh, techniques, very much the sort of, you know, tell a robot to do something and it's just going to know how to do it. So as these technologies are in our, our, our homes and workplaces, um, and as they get smarter and as AI converges with robotics, we think it's, it's really obvious that there should be a prohibition on weaponizing them. And I'm not speaking here about the military context of armed conflict, where we've got rules of engagement, we have frameworks for developing remote weapon systems. We've had those for, for decades. We're not condemning military use here. We're talking about pretty much everything else, namely that as robots proliferate in society in a way they haven't before, doing wonderful things for people, we want to make sure that they're not misused. And so I, now that's my kind of takeaway from from the recent uh, summit and, and others is, is yes, great to see early work on this, but I think something is being left out uh, of some of those discussions, namely this you know, physical manifestation of AI. What are some of the things we can do to reduce or even eliminate the harm of you know, the Terminator scenario and, and, and working together on that? So 
trying to reduce the, the the risk of harm here. I mean, this is part of your daily work, isn't it? You you work in government relations, and you've been involved in processes to set out governance frameworks in in the United States. Can you talk us through an example of, of this work of yours, and and maybe describe you know what you found effective in terms of educating, influencing, advocating, and lobbying around uh, AI? Yeah, sure. So in in recent weeks, uh, we we had the introduction of a bill in Massachusetts, our home state, that would prohibit the uh, weaponization of, of robots or or the operation uh, or sale of a weaponized robot, very much like like I'm I'm talking about in terms of AI policy. Uh, that that was that bill was the result of of about a year of collaboration with civil rights stakeholders in Massachusetts, as well as consultation with law enforcement. Uh, stakeholders to make sure we, we we got it right in in the sense that we were focused on preventing and prohibiting the the actual harm without interfering with legitimate operations, including law enforcement bomb disposal. So that bill, for example, ha- has a carve out for the bomb squad to use what might be viewed as a weaponized robot uh, to detonate uh, a suspected bomb. That's an important exception, I, I think. And so th- that, to me, that's the way you, you do this. You collaborate. You need to get very specific. It's great to have high-level documents and, and summits and things like that. But at some point, you need to figure out what, how are you defining technology? How are you defining the harm? And what are you actually pro- prohibiting or regulating? And that really takes a, a lot of very detailed hard work with the relevant stakeholders. Uh, but it's something I enjoy doing. It's something that I've done in the drone context uh, for a decade now in terms of state, federal, and international uh, policy. And, and, and to me, it's it, it's the way we move forward with all these AI governance issues. So collaboration and coalitions. I'm afraid that's all we have time for. Thank you so much for your time today, Brendan. It's been really, really instructive to hear your perspectives uh, from the private sector. And the intersection of artificial intelligence and robotics and security is, is really only going to get uh, more important. And for those interested in security sector governance like us, it's crucial. So. Thank you very much. Thank you, Alex. I appreciate the conversation. Thank you all for listening. And if you would like to learn more about our work, please visit www.decaf.ch. We look forward to reading your comments and looking at your ratings on Spotify. And as always, stay tuned for the next episode in our podcast series.